Good morning to you all. Welcome to the worship service this morning. I hope you all were blessed and encouraged as we sang those songs. We truly mean them from our hearts. They, um, I'm sure God is pleased, and they are a blessing to us if we realize what we're singing about. Um, I have a topic that I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, I'm not even sure how long. It might have been around six months. Quite a while. Um, and I have had um, meditations since then, but I guess I just didn't feel clear. I didn't have the time to do as much study as I would like to for this topic. Um, and I still probably didn't do justice. I'm sure I didn't because it's a big, big thing. Um, but it was really good for me just to study, even though I knew all these scriptures, and I'm sure you all will too. Um, It's good for me just to study and to find the correlations between all the scriptures and what they have to say about this this topic. I hope it can be a blessing to you all. So if you want to turn with me to Genesis 17... This is uh, talking about Abraham, actually the Lord talking to Abraham. Um, He says, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Uh, And then he changed Adam's, Abraham's, Abram's name to, sorry, getting this all mixed up. He changed Abram's name to Abraham. Um, There in verse 5. And then in verse 6 and 7, I'd like to read, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. So here, um, I just read over this recently in my devotions, and... um, is interesting because it just seemed like God had some inward desire that he wanted to be a God to the, some people that were special, especially his. <clears throat> he, will, he wants to be a God unto Abraham and to his seed after him. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wanted a people whose hearts were turned toward him and who would um, call him God. He wanted to be a Lord to Abraham's descendants. God chose them to be a peculiar people unto himself above every other nation that was in the world at that time. We know all throughout, a lot of this then the rest of the like the Old Testament talks about Israelites and um, all their journeys and everything. Um, and it says in different places <clears throat> that um, they are called out and chosen people and peculiar before God. So then um, in the New Testament, we know that um, those who were estranged from God, those who were not in 
uh, who, not, who were not Israelites, are, were called. They, were, they became heirs together with Christ, and that is us. Um, <clears throat> those of us who were not Israelites have become heirs together with Christ. Um, just thinking of that verse that we are memorizing in First Peter, it says, "But he is, um, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." So it's amazing that God has chosen us as well. Um, to be heirs according to the promise. And that's how the promise was fulfilled um, back there where I read in, in Genesis about how that God will bless all the nations. I think I read over that. Through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that is through Christ, and we are part of all those nations. So if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 8, 5 to 6. First Corinthians 8, and let's read uh, 5 and 6. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be many gods and, many, and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father. So let me read that without the parentheses. Uh, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Um, God is a jealous God, and he is the only God. He is the only true God, even though, like in the world, um, many people, they don't, well, I guess in our society, they don't call other people, other people, other things necessarily gods, but they definitely... um, go after these earthly things as though they were something, as though they were gods. But our Lord is one Lord, and he calls us to worship him. He wants us to worship him. In Ephesians 4.15 it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So that um, little part there, which is the head, even Christ, um, is what I have got my title from. Um, If I title this message, it would be, uh, Don't Lose Your Head. So, we all know that um, I'm not talking about our literal head. We know that there is some people that have lost their head because of Christ, and that is very worthy, um, worthy cause to die for. Think of John the Baptist. He lost his head because of Christ. And because he spake the truth, he spoke the truth in love to um, the ruler. I forget his name right now. But that is the reason why he lost his head. But this is, I'm going to be talking about a little different head. Don't lose your head. Um, 
and that head is Christ. We don't we should not lose our head as Christ. So I have three different points here. Uh, the first one is the head of each individual. And that's what I was talking about, um, that God wanted to be a God to each one of us individually. And I guess back um, in Abraham's day, he called Abraham as an individual to, that he wanted to be a God to him and to his descendants, a bigger group of people as well. So Jesus is our head. And our head is the part that all life flows from. You know, without it, obviously, you would die. The removal of it destroys all life. Is this body, is my body connected? Is my spiritual body in spirit connected to the head? Do I have a life-flowing connection with him? It's so good just for me to ponder on that and just to... Quiet my heart and meditate on the Lord and um, what He means to me, and to get uh, draw closer to Him. In Galatians, um, so kind of what I was doing, or I found myself doing, was just kind of reading through the Gospels and um, with that theme in mind. Don't not losing our head, or basically Christ as our head. Um, and so I came across Galatians. I don't know if it has too many... There has, there are some specifics in there, but just as a general um, overview of the chapter, I felt like <clears throat> um, it does kind of speak to this topic. We must, in that we must not confer or rely on um, flesh and blood for our salvation, but realize it comes by faith only. We are connected to our head by faith, not by works. It says a lot of times in, in Galatians about that. Um, in the first chapter, there's Paul certifying that this, um, that Jesus Christ, it was Jesus Christ who taught him this gospel of faith. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to read in Galatians. 3, verse 26. For ye all are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So here we see that we are the children of God by faith. It's not just because of lineage, you know, like Israelites. It's by faith. For as many, as, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Uh, there is no, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither, there is neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God doesn't have a respect of persons, who we are. But if we have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ by faith, we are gods and he is a god to us and we call him lord and god then in uh four chapter four uh one through nine 
Um, it talks about the heir, us being the heir of Christ and being as sons. We receive the adoption of sons. Um, and it says in verse 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we are his children, and we are adopted as sons. Um, adopted as sons into freedom, crying, Abba, Father, which basically means... I believe father means, Abba means father. So basically crying, father, father. Is he a God to us? We are known of God. He called us, he chose us to be under his headship. So now for the uh, second point. Actually, maybe this is a, this would be a, Subpoint: um, the indwelling of Christ in our hearts as individuals. It says in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. The idea that Christ wants to live inside of us and does live inside of those who are filled with faith is all throughout the New Testament. Just, yeah, there's like so many passages you could turn to um, that would talk to that end, speak to that end. But I believe it's the highest desire of God that we would live in him and love him. Think of the um, chapter 15 in John where it says that he is the vine and we are the branches and he that abideth in him. Um, let's say it. If we abide in him and he in us, I'll just turn there really quickly. It's really, it's really a blessing. <clears throat> abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. <clears throat> So I just uh, chose a few scriptures. Um, in Acts 4, people, the, um, Paul and, oh no, Peter and John were um, held captive because they, well, because they were speaking about Christ and because they healed a layman, I believe. And so then, uh, in then in verse 8 of chapter 4 of Acts, uh, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation at any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Um, and I think what I would kind of wanted to 
I kind of been why I was drawn to this place was because in verse 13 it says when they had when they saw the boldness of Peter and John they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men they marveled even though I guess they were speaking eloquently or speaking the truth um, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus so does my life um, do the people around me marvel at my lifestyle and at my talk and my character that I have been with Jesus. That's what, that's what Christ wants to do in us if we, if we actually live in him. The indwelling of Christ in us will we'll make our character more like him. Uh, in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. Jesus wants to sup with each one of us. He wants to commune with us. So you can turn to Ephesians with me if you would like to. There's a lot. Um, actually, yeah, I'll talk about that later. There's a lot in Ephesians. <laughs> so Ephesians 3, um, 16 through 19. That he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It's the indwelling of Christ that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Here he talks about, again about Christ dwelling in us, in our hearts by faith, and that we would be rooted and grounded in love. You'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. And that uh, faith that we have in Christ uh, moves us to action. In 1 John 3.24, he says, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. So there is the action is a result of the, dwelling, the indwelling of Christ in us, the action. It's not that um, the action um, I'm not sure how I was going to say that. It's not like the action is what saves us. Yeah, like what I said earlier, it's not by it's not by works that we're saved, but by faith. But yet, that is, those actions will follow true faith. If you want to find out what is to dwell in Christ, read both the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John. It has a lot in um, in those in both of John's letters about um, the indwelling of Christ and 
just it seems so straightforward a lot of times like it just says this is the way it is if a man love his when i know a lot of times it seems like it says in um first john if a man love his if a man say that he love god and hate his brother he is in darkness those two don't go together if you say that you love god and don't love your brother this is um his commandment it says in that verse i read in first john he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and that commandment is in gospel of john that ye love one another as i have loved you which was the greatest example of love by laying down his life for his friends he says that right after the verse that you love one another as i have loved you and he says greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends and we are his friends if we do whatever he commands us So I'm going to talk about that. Uh, it's just a triangle, obviously. I guess you can see that. Um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, let's turn to Gospel of John 17, the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples and also for us. Um, John... 17, 20 through 23. Let's read that. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that is us today. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. It says a lot of times in the scripture about um, God's people being one. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Which I don't know um, what all that means, things that are in heaven and things which are in earth. He is gathered together in one. But we do know that he has called all who believe in him by faith as his sons and daughters. Um, and so therefore we are one with the Israelites, if the Israelites believe as well. He's called us into one body. And in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen to 17 the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body? Sorry, just read that. <clears throat> no, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Let me start over. The cup of blessing which we bless, <clears throat> is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. As we 
all, each of us have the indwelling of Christ in us. We are all receiving of one spirit, and that is the spirit of Christ. And therefore, it should draw us together, and it will. And John here, just it's really good to meditate on that. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That we cannot be one together if we are not in Christ. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it talks about the uh, talks about one body. Uh, Four to six in 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's one Spirit in each of us. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Verse 11 to 14. But all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So there it is again. He, the one spirit works in each of us. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are ye all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into, into one spirit. So there it is again, not respecter of persons, but he brings all together into one body. Led by one spirit. It's very clear here. It's led by one spirit. So, uh, back to this triangle. So this triangle, um, somebody, I believe that somebody had said something about it in, I'm not sure if they actually use this illustration, but the thought came to mind. I believe it. I believe they did. Or just talk about it, maybe. Um, so Christ is at the point, and Brother Joe is on the left side, and Brother Tom is on the right side, or anybody else, um, as brothers. And as they grow closer to Christ, they get closer together. Um, and as I read in, um, in the Gospel of John, that um, well, I said that they can't, that 
brothers cannot get closer together if they don't get closer to Christ at the same time. And this illustration is just, um, I guess, an illustration of that, that the further um, two people common travel to a common point, the closer they are together. God is the point, and he is the perfect balance, I believe, between all characters, all different types of characters, and he's the one who brings all things into one. So I was just um, just blessed when I saw that in the scripture, how that we can't we can't grow closer together if we if we aren't going closer drawing closer to Christ as well. In Ephesians 4, 3 to 6, it says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So he's above all and through all and in you all. Unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, as we become closer to Christ, we become um, more unified. We become closer to the spirit of Christ, more conformed to the spirit of Christ, and it brings a bond of peace to us and to the body of Christ. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So my uh, second main point is head, Christ is the head of the church. Uh, so Ephesians has a lot to say about this about Christ being the head of the church and um, how the church um, functions together, how we need to, how, yeah, he gives you lots of illustrations of how the church functions together. Um, in chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, far above all principality, talking about Christ, um, that God had raised him up, from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Christ is the head of the church. He is... Um, he, God has put everything under his feet. And his body, the church, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So to me that looks like the church is the fullness of Christ. The fullest, the fullest um, example of Christ. So let us not mar that picture. 
that filleth all in all. In Colossians 1, 17 to 19, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's talking about Christ. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So if Christ has the preeminence in everything, he is the top. He is the head of the body. We will grow closer together as we get closer to him. And in chapter 2 of Colossians 20, 22, um, it talks about the building being fitly framed together, of which Christ is the chief cornerstone. Actually, it's here in Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 20, 22. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And the memory verses, again, in First Peter, um, it talks about Christ being the uh, cornerstone that was set at naught of the builders. Of, it's talking about the um, leaders of the Jews, I believe. But has become he has become the head of the corner. He's the chief cornerstone. Do I hold him as hold him as my chief? We are fitly framed together. Here it says in Ephesians two. Very fitly framed together. And we grow unto an holy temple in the Lord. So as we are framed together, we grow together and grow unto an holy temple in the Lord, a temple for the Lord to dwell in. We build it together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Remember um, somebody's illustration at Bible school about um, cutting two-by-fours. You know, if every if a two-by-four, when you're building a house, would say, no, I'm not going to be cut. I just want to be as long as I am. It just, the wall would not work. Like, it would just go up and down, and it would not uh, be fun <laughs> at all. We were just building a house last week. And, yeah, that would have been bad if some two-by-fours would not have, or two-by-sixes would not have, wanted to, or wouldn't have been the right length. They have to submit to being cut off to the right, to the same height. We are framed together, and together we grow up as a holy temple. How could we possibly grow by ourselves if it says so clearly here that uh, we grow as a body, as a whole? I do believe that there are certain circumstances where you can grow by yourself if you're connected to the head, but it's very different. If you think of... um, just like, was actually, I think it was in verse, 
chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, back where I was reading a while back. <clears throat> I didn't get there, but um, it talks about all the members, you know, and what if the f- foot would say to the hand, I have no need of you. <clears throat> that wouldn't, wouldn't work. Imagine just like a foot and a head on top of the foot. That just, I mean, like, you might be able to go a little bit, but it's not going to be very efficient. It's not going to be very um, working very good. So that is the same as if uh, one person, I believe, is out all by himself, out from under all um, church authority and a church body, brotherhood, and they try to make it on their own, and they choose that willingly. It's not going to be very effective. And not to mention that's not where the head belongs, on our feet. But when, the, when everything is in place, we still do have feet. And it is connected to the head, but it's through a whole bunch of other things. And it just makes it flow so much better. When things are in order, receives life and healing if it's in its place. Uh, chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Uh, let's read that. Ephesians four eleven through 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There it is again. Um, we're coming into unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, into the fullness of Christ, together. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I had read, read that verse once already. Uh, from whom the whole, building, whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Verse 16 there stood out to me for a long time. It just, <laughs> so you say, so the body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, and it just keeps on going and going and going. Effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body. There it is uh, building the body up together unto the edifying of itself in love. It edifies itself if we have love toward one another. We can edify our, each other. And we cannot properly be healed unless we are part of that body, I believe. This is only going to happen through love. How is it that we could think of biting and devouring one, of, one another when in reality we could be healing and bonding to one another? In Galatians, it talks about um, if you... Um, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So that sounds pretty bad. 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit and have Christ dwelling in us, we won't bite and devour one another. So in Ephesians uh, 5, 23-27, it talks about husbands um, being likened. Husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ does love the church, and he is for us and not against us. He wants to, he wants to hold us and present us to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Uh, and then in Colossians, there is warning about those who do not hold the head in which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Paul was very um, emphatic about not letting any man beguile them, the Colossians, of their reward by these people um, that are puffed up by his flesh and their minds and not holding the head. That is a serious, um, a serious matter. And a part of uh, recognizing Christ as the head of the church is to respect and esteem those who God has called to labor as servants among us. And that is why our pastors are called ministers. Um, as Christ says, those who be the greatest among you, let him be your servant. We should all be that way. But it is kind of interesting, you know, most of the time we just say ministers or ministry, but don't really take time to think of it. Why do we actually call it ministry? I mean, that's normally think of a lower position. But Christ wants us to respect and esteem those God has placed in um, placed as leaders over us. In First Thessalonians, it talks about this. Um, I'm going to turn there and read that. First Thessalonians 5. Verses 11 through 14. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. I believe being at peace among ourselves shows us how highly we esteem them. So um, my last point is unity of the church, which I already touched on that I was kind of um, breaking it down. Christ is the head of the church and the unity of the church is for study purposes. Um, but it's really hard to separate that, separate Christ being the head and the body being unified. It's, just, it's the same thing, basically. Uh, in Ephesians, back in Ephesians again, 4, uh, verses 1 to 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of the church, unity of the Spirit. Um, the unity of the church, it tells us here some of the things we need to do. Lowliness and meekness with long-suffering for bearing one another in love. And also, I believe, uh, it's in Romans that it talks about um, being of each person not to esteem themselves more highly than they ought to think, yes, but with sobriety, but to think soberly, because we are members one of another of the same body, we are members of the same body, brings us unity in the church. And I already read um, later on in that chapter where it talks about chapter 4, till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man and to the measure, stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10.24, it says, Let no man seek his own, but another man's wealth. And I don't know that's... I don't think it's just talking about um, earthly wealth, or maybe it's not even talking about that much at all. Actually, no, I don't think it is, because it's right after what Paul says, um, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Send in Galatians. Um, Galatians 5.18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. I believe if the Spirit of God leads us to be unified in our church, we are not under the law, though we conform in practical matters. So God bless you with that.